I'll let you in on a little secret. Reaching your revenue goal won't change your life, but hitting your profit goal, that absolutely will. If you want to build a life-first business this year, you need to create more margin, both in your finances and in your schedule. If you're ready to double down on profit-generating strategies that actually work so you can work four-day weeks, go on real vacations, or even take the summers off, you won't want to miss this. In my free masterclass, Double Your Profit While Working Less, you'll learn exactly how to set your business up to scale so you can give yourself a raise, create a clear plan for how to work that dream schedule, and step into your CEO era, the one where you and your business aren't just surviving, but thriving. You can grab this free masterclass at www.jadeboyd.co backslash double your profit masterclass or go to the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. There's a lot of people who are operating their businesses 10 inches wide, but only two inches deep. But what if they pivoted to being only two inches wide, but 10 inches deep? Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast, a podcast about redefining productivity for the modern woman in business and finding ways to work smarter, not harder, in business and life. I'm your host, Jade Boyd. I'm an MBA business strategist and mentor who helps overwhelmed business owners simplify and scale their service-based businesses with strategy and systems. On this podcast, we'll explore simple ways to earn more while working less. If you're ready to scale your business, bring order to chaos, ditch the busy work, and make space for what really matters, you come to the right place. Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast. Welcome to the show, Erica. Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So why don't we start off for anybody who doesn't know you yet? Why don't you give a little bit of an introduction of who you are and what you do? Okay, perfect. So first and foremost, probably... The greatest component of who I am is I'm a mom to an eight-year-old son, Dawson, and I'm definitely on this love day, the love of my life, aside from my boyfriend, of course, but just my greatest, greatest achievement, greatest challenge to date, but love being a mom and um, wow, the responsibility that comes with being a mom. So you will soon know that. Maybe not super soon, Jade, but someday we will, you will experience that as well. So, time will tell. <laughs> time will tell. So anyway, um, I love being a mom first and foremost, but um, my greatest passion is what we get to talk a little bit about today and in, in really coaching and developing people to truly run in their strength zone. And so to unpack that a little bit further, Um, What I get to do day in and day out is um, really in full alignment with encouraging people to gain clarity and confidence in who they were created to be and the direction that they can most confidently move to get there. And the caveat to all of that is to add even greater value to the world around them. So I was inspired over 10 years ago by a man named John Maxwell standing in my kitchen in Davenport, Iowa, listening to his webinar on the 15 most valuable laws of growth and personal growth. Have you read that book? I haven't. I haven't read anything from John Maxwell, actually. It's on my list, though. Oh, so good. You would love it. I'm sure I would. I have a laundry list of books that I know I'll love. (laughs) Yeah. So his book, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth, uh, in that webinar, he shared that most experts believe that the majority of people go to their grave tapping into a very small percentage of their potential. And all of the viewers have probably heard, or the, the audience has probably heard the um, the statement that the graveyard is the wealthiest place of all Mm. because there's so many untapped dreams that lie there because we live in this state of fear, right? We just go through the motions. We say yes to a job or a career that someone else decided for us, right? We're scared of the unknown. We're scared of stepping outside of our comfort zone and trying something new and falling down and falling short and you know, in being embarrassed or um, being lonely, 
right? All of those things. And so we just spend our lives playing small. And so that statement ignited something deep within me and fueled me to pave my own path in saying yes to things that took me outside my comfort zone, right? And just inspired the coaching that I was doing for other women. So John Maxwell knows what he's talking about, right? And really was the inspiration behind what I do, why I do what I do. And that's to help people live more fulfilling lives, right? To find that thing that just ignites them and inspires them because the caveat of all of that is greater impact right? Greater lives being influenced and being able to truly make a difference in the lives of other people by using what God gave us innately. So I love to tell people that the gifts God gave you are his gift to you, but what you do with them is your gift back to him. Mm. So don't be like the majority who are playing small, right? Be the exception. And if we can just get one more person to choose to be the exception, right? It's hard work, so it's not easy, but we have a ripple effect. So I get to coach individuals and teams on a daily basis to really just unlock and unleash uh, and fulfill their God-given potential. So you work with people inside organizations, but also entrepreneurs. You meet with a lot of different leaders and coach them and speak to a lot of groups. But today we're specifically talking about entrepreneurs. And so I love what you said about taking the leap and reaching that untapped potential because a lot of entrepreneurs feel like the leap is when they quit their job and start a business. But today we're talking about how to align your business to your strengths, because I think it's just as easy to start a business that's not aligned to your strengths as it is to enter a career that's not aligned to your strengths. Mm -hmm. So speaking generally, what does it look like for a business owner to align their business to their strengths? Where does that journey even begin? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a loaded question, really. Right. And I'm going to take it to like, what happens when, when we don't align, right? Because... I think, especially in this day and age with um, social media, right, which is a beautiful blessing, but also a curse, because we might have a similarity with someone who's in the same industry as an entrepreneur as we are. And we get caught up watching who they are and how they do things. And because we're wired so differently and so uniquely, we immediately sell ourselves short, right? And we have this huge imposter syndrome. Comparison game is at an all-time high because we're looking at what other people are doing around us instead of shutting out the noise and going within, right? Like, how can I bring a new flavor to photography? Mm -hmm. right? Or to coaching or whatever the entrepreneurial industry is. So when we close out what's around us, we can be inspired in some way, shape or form by what other people in alignment with us might be doing. But if we close them out and recognize that our natural talents, which is our natural way of thinking, feeling, and behaving, and it's a recurring way of thinking, feeling, behaving, right? When we tap into who we are innately, we're going to gain greater mileage in the long run. And we're going to add something to the arena that we're playing in that nobody else adds. So what Gallup has said is that the likelihood that someone has the exact sequence of 34 different themes or talents right? So the likelihood that you and I have the exact same sequence as anyone else is one in 239 on decillion. That's 36 zeros or 12 groups of three. So right there, it just shows us that you can't look at what someone else is doing and think that you're going to duplicate it and get the same mileage. Right. Or what I was saying earlier, make a greater impact. Right. And so we can become competitive too, instead of collaborative. But when we align our business with 
our natural way of thinking, right? So with our head and with our heart and with our hands, right? There's nobody else who can do what we do. Like we do it. Like we do it. Thank you. Yeah. We're just so unique. And I honestly, Jay, believe that we undervalue that in the world today. Oh, absolutely. There's so many generalizations, so many labels, right? And we don't value the uniqueness within each of us. So I think going back to the question, the journey to aligning your business to your strengths really starts with recognizing that you're not going to find the answer to how to grow your business by looking at what somebody else is doing. It starts by looking inside yourself and being really self-aware and thinking about how you want to run your business and what you actually want to accomplish. Like it starts with the clarity that you said at the beginning, you help people find that clarity and that confidence, not by looking at these different plans and figuring out which one they want to pursue, but really looking within themselves and understanding how God created them. Absolutely. And and there can be some trial and error to life and leadership and business. But, but when we start to pay attention to the things that feel energizing to us, we want to double down on those things, right? And when we pay attention to the things that drain us, they just suck the life out of us, right? And we eliminate those, right? Or spend less time focusing that. And, and I'll just say, um, social media is a great example of that, right? Because I've worked with several people who the world around them is to them building this huge brand using social media, right? Maybe using reels or something, right? And so they're like hitting their head up against the wall thinking, I need to post something every single day. I need to do what this person over here who looks wildly successful is doing. Mm -hmm. And it takes them eight hours to do it. It's like, oh my gosh, if you would have just pivoted and done what really energizes you in that eight hour timeframe, you probably could have made a lot more than in what you're right. When we're talking about being more productive, right. Is another path more productive for you. And it's okay. We also underestimate how contagious and how noticeable that energy is too. So even if you make the reel and it takes you longer, you can tell that the energy is off and you didn't enjoy doing it. Right. Oh, that's such a good point. Like the message falls flat a little bit. And when you're constantly forcing yourself to do things that you resent, It is harder to motivate yourself to do those things. But even when they're done, it doesn't come off the right way because people can tell at some, you know, subconscious level that like, oh, they're not having a lot of fun doing that. It's not an energy that people want to be around. Such a good point, right? Our energy at any given time is either attracting people to us or repelling them. Mm -hmm. So if you're not enjoying doing it, you're probably repelling the people viewing it. That's a great point. I love the word you use, contagious. Yeah, it is. It's... There's been a lot of research and I'm sure you know more than I do. I have a terrible memory. So I read all the research and understand the takeaways, but I can never cite it. But there's so much research proving the contagiousness of happiness, of energy, of passion for what you do. When someone shows up and they're really excited about what they're talking about, you can't help but get excited with them. And I feel like this every time I talk to you, you like, like I'm getting excited talking about this because I know how passionate you are about it. It is contagious. Good. I can feel your energy too. <laughs> so I also want to talk a little bit about the difference between strengths and skills. And the strengths finder also calls strengths talents. And I think that the terminology can kind of get in the way of how we think about these things. And so I do want to talk a little bit about the difference between strengths and skills. And going back um, to 2021, so about a year and a handful of months ago, we sat down for coffee and you did a little informal strengths coaching with me. And we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. But that conversation started my gears turning on like, why am I running a photography business when my strengths are telling me that this other area, business coaching and productivity that I'm really passionate about, if I leaned into that, it would probably be more productive and easier for me to grow my business. Like, why am I so hell-bent on making this photography thing work? Because photography for me was a skill. It was something that I was good at, that I could do. Mm -hmm. And I realized, like you just said, I still like doing that, but I have to do it in a way that utilizes my strengths 
and my preferences for how to do photography differently than what I see most photographers doing. And so going into this year, I finally feel like I've been able to pick up some photography projects in a way that feels good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But how does a business owner, when they're thinking about aligning their business to their strengths, how can they think about their strengths versus their skills and understand what that means? Yeah, such a great question because it's so real. So I think it's important to understand, again, and I'll repeat this, a talent is innate, right? It's God-given. You're born with it. It's actually, in some ways, genetic. So we are born with these innate talents. And if you have kids, you can start to recognize their innate talents at about three years old. Wow. So they're with us from a very young age. Unfortunately, oftentimes, because they're raw as we're growing up, or because the world around us is comparing their insecurities to our strengths, they shut us down, mm. right? So, so anyway, if we go back to a talent is a natural recurring pattern of thought, feeling, and behavior that when we apply knowledge or choose to develop skills within that, right, gaining awareness, intentionally developing it, we then turn it into a strength. So the terminology can get a little bit gray, right? When you're using talent versus strength, because I even have not maximized my strengths, even though I've been aware for the last 10 years, right? And I will be developing them for an eternity, right? But we don't, we don't see it being a strength until we've intentionally developed it, double down on it, And we're able to essentially execute that with near perfect performance. And I I should say, I'm not a fan of perfection. I am an advocate for excellence. And excellence involves making mistakes Mm. and falling down, right? But the difference is um, growth mindset versus fixed mindset, right? You're, You're getting better, right? You're growing, you're learning, you're improving, you're reflecting and refining and refocusing, right? So so when we look at talents, we're born with them. They're innate to us. And they're very unique, back to the one in 239 undecillion, right? But when we look at skills, skills are developed. So believe it or not, 10 years ago, you would not have caught me dead on a podcast, on a stage, right? Like public speaking is a skill. It was very untapped, very underdeveloped 10 years ago. When I tell people that today, they don't believe me. It is surprising. (laughs) That's an example of using my talents, developing them into strengths and using them when I'm on a stage, right? Or on a podcast. And so the way that I'm going to speak on a podcast or on a stage is going to be very different than the way you will speak on a podcast or on a stage. Mm -hmm. And the world wants our authentic selves, right? That's where you build trust. But when we look at time management, communication skills, um, leadership skills, that one's key, right? As entrepreneurs, we need to know how do we lead ourselves well? What is our secret sauce? Because there's no set um, combination of talents that make one person a better leader over the other. What makes a great leader is that they're true to who they are, right? They know what strengths they bring to their business and they double down on those, right? When you down on who you are and what your talents are, your weaknesses become less apparent, irrelevant, right? Less noticed because people are experiencing something unique. So they're not even paying attention to what they don't get from you. They're grateful for what they do get. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like to double down on your strengths as a business owner? It's kind of a loaded question because I feel like it looks like a lot of different ways, but I think people's mindset immediately go to, oh, I need to pivot and completely change my business model. Like I need to change the whole thing, but there's a lot of smaller ways that you can align your business to your strength too. So what does it look like and what does it mean to double down on your strengths? Does it truly mean that you just only do your strengths and nothing else? 
Yeah, good question. So people have typically heard of the 80-20 rule, right? Or let's just say um, for you, for instance, in your photography business, right? There's there's lots of different avenues or um, buckets that you have to fill or hats you have to wear to keep your business afloat, right? So doubling down on your strengths means you're using those strengths in all of those buckets, right? So let's just say sales and marketing, right? You're doubling down on who you are and you're marketing your message in a way that's authentic to you, right? In a manner that's authentic to you, right? Like the way that your email distribution or your newsletter should be unique to you, right? It should be a reflection of who you are and how you show up at your best for the world. Your social media, same thing, right? Every component of your business should reflect your strengths because there will be energy there, right? There will be impact there. If you are um, someone who leads in executing, right? You might have like bullet points in a lot of your communication, right? Because you are succinct with your message. If you lead in influencing, right? You might have a social media and an email list that's filled with stories or examples of people you've helped, right? But if you're trying to put someone who's strong in strategic thinking and executing into a role where they're telling stories, right? That's going to be very draining to them. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you don't execute in all of the arenas of your business. You just execute in a way that feels energizing to you, Mm -hmm. right? So your social media is going to be a reflection of that. Your emails, right? All of your processes will be a reflection of that. Even your leadership style, right? Your message, how you sit down and have one-on-ones with clients. Mm-hmm. I think there's power in narrowing things down. People think that if they choose one thing, like for social media, for example, if I choose to focus on writing and only use the mediums that allow me to showcase my writing, whether that's email or blog post or whatever, they think that that limits their ability to grow their business. But in fact, sometimes narrowing it down and looking at your business and all the different areas you mentioned, looking at your marketing, looking at your finances, looking at the way you do meetings with the filter of what are my strengths, it actually makes it easier to make decisions because decision fatigue is a real thing. And so what I love about strengths is that it does help you narrow it down, but also in a way that's obviously productive because when you align things to your strengths, it feels easier, it gets easier and you have more energy, you get better results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to another thing that you said. You said that some people are afraid to use their strengths because other people's insecurities will sometimes rub up against that. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to make other people feel insecure and it does make us play small. And I think for women, I don't, I'm curious what you've seen in your work, but I feel like it's harder for women because we're, um, we have this expectation maybe, or a perceived expectation that we should be in the supporting role and be the encouragers and not necessarily be the people who are shining brightly, who are the center stage. And a lot of women are uncomfortable. I know I am with being the center of attention. And I've seen ways in my own business where I've hidden my strengths because I don't want other people to feel less than. I don't want other people to see how organized I am because I don't want them to feel bad that they're not as organized, Mm. right? And so I'm curious, if somebody is feeling that way and notices that they're playing small, how do we move away from that? And how do we learn to take up space? Because it's something that I'm actively working on and starting to become a lot more aware of in my own business too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That was amazing. Um, Just conceptualization of your personal experience with plain and small. So the first thing that comes to mind with all of this is the reality that oftentimes what we think is very far from reality. Mm. 
for instance, you were sharing how sometimes you don't want to show people how organized you are because you don't want them to feel bad for not being organized. Right. Mm -hmm. And so again, I think that's, and you and I are both are aligned in faith, right? I, would be as bold to say that is the enemy's way of having his heyday, right? Because again, what God gave you is his gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to him. So if you're hiding it, you're making the enemy very happy because it's a gift, right? Mm -hmm. It's somebody can be inspired, Maybe they're never going to be as organized or ordered as you, but they will be inspired to do something they couldn't even perceive doing before. And so I think this is where we get tripped up a little bit, right? I even I think this a lot with people who have high includer because I have some good friends who have high includer and I don't have high includer. Right. So I could be perceived as someone who's more exclusive Mm. and they could be perceived Mm. as someone who's more inclusive because it's so natural for them to see the marginalized. Right. Who might feel left out here? Right. Like, here's how we and they lead the charge with volunteer efforts. And I love being a part of them. I love being a part of them. Makes me feel so good. And I love encouraging them to be more inclusive. Because it is not a natural way of thinking, feeling, or behaving for me. And so where we get tripped up is they could perceive me as someone who's very exclusive, someone who's selfish, doesn't think about people who might be left out, right? And that's not fair to me because God didn't give me that gift, right? Yeah. And so when we hide who we are and think of ourselves in like, let me flip it around and say one of the the best ways for me to phrase strengths is be willing to lend someone else your strength without reminding them of their weakness, right? That's kindness, right? That's sharing the love, right? And so you don't have to hide the gifts that you have because it might inspire someone who needs that order and organization in their life. Because we all thrive on routine, order, right? I mean, all of the parenting books will tell you that. Children thrive on routine, knowing what's coming, knowing what to expect, right? But not everybody's gifted at contributing that to the world around them. I think what you said about our strengths being a gift makes me think of sales mostly and the shift, like the mindset shift when you're showing up and talking about your offer. And if you're thinking that you're selling something or it's about you, it's about getting sales or getting clients. It feels dirty. I don't know. It feels icky a little bit. But if you show up with the mentality of I have something cool and I want to share it with you, it's a completely different mindset and it's a completely different energy that you show up when you are talking about your business and what you do. And every everything that you said about our strengths being gifts made me come back to that in my mind. Yeah. I mean, women live in this comparison zone, right? And you're so right, Jade, that we've been raised to be in support roles. So to take the lead and speak up and share an idea can be foreign to us, right? It can feel like we're arrogant. I have coached many women who wrestle this line of not wanting to be perceived as arrogant, but they want to be perceived as confident. Mm -hmm. And so it is a journey to get off this box of thinking that you're arrogant. If you speak up, if you share an idea, right? but it's not, it's a gift to people. Yeah. I think that also comes with separating your intentions and 
knowing yourself and what is your goal of showing up to speak? Is it really just self-centered or is it with the intention of helping other people? It feels different, but also being aware of why are you afraid to speak up? Is it because you're scared of what other people think? Even knowing that you have good intentions, it's such a tricky thing to navigate, especially if you haven't taken the time to process, like, why are you making these decisions that you don't want to make? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which kind of comes back to the beginning. It starts with clarity and understanding yourself, which a lot of us do not want to do. It's hard work. It is hard work. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. And when we know our motives are pure, right? We know why we're doing what we're doing and the pureness behind our intentions, right? We can use that as leverage to show up more confidently, right? And not be afraid of the no's or the not right now, right? Mm -hmm. And I love how you said, you know, the Bible has numerous examples of gifts opening the heart, right? So when we position ourselves in a conversation where we truly believe the gifts we have innately inside of us can add value and serve and help the person across from us, right? Whether they accept the gift is not our problem to solve or issue to perceive. There's going to be a lot of people who don't want the gift, but it doesn't mean we should stop offering the gift. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So kind of coming back and pivoting a little bit, we talked a lot about how everybody's strengths are different. And so let's not look left and right and try and figure out how we're supposed to run our businesses because it should be unique to you if you want to really build a business that feels not only like good and aligned, but is easily productive. Because when you align your business and your day-to-day activities with things that you're good at and like doing, it just gets easier to get stuff done. But people get things done in different ways. And I do want to talk a little bit about the four domains of strengths and how this could play out in businesses. Because um, I always think of a previous boss that I had in my full-time job who got things done through people. And that was the first time that my eyes were opened to the amazing things that happened when you had a solid network and you took the time to write very personal, thoughtful emails. And like all of the things he did were completely foreign to me. I'm a very executing and real, well, I'm a little bit relationship building, but I'm not influencing. And so it was completely foreign to me. And it was frustrating because I want my to-do list and I want other people to finish their to-do list. Mm-hmm. But then my eyes were open to, wow, he can actually get a lot more done because he's influencing his network and leveraging other people who can get things done. I mean, including me. So let's talk a little bit about that and how people can get things done differently within business because productivity is not a one-size-fits-all thing. And I think strengths play, they have a really um, good perspective on how this looks based on how you're gifted. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just commend the audacity audacity that you had to recognize his gift being getting people done or she, I don't know if it was a he or she, but your boss, <laughs> right. Getting work done through people. So first and foremost, I will go as far to say that there's a lot of working frustrations out there. And typically those working frustrations are separated between two domains, right? The people-oriented domains and the task-oriented domains. So we have relationship building and influencing that are people-oriented domains. And then we have the strategic thinking and the executing domains that are task-oriented. And so the reality is there might be some people who will find themselves evenly distributed across all four, But more likely, people will find themselves heavy in one or two, which means they can be experts in what they do. But what they need to be aware of, like you were, is there's different ways of being efficient, productive, or influential. The task-oriented people can be influential. And the people-oriented people can be influential. So what happens, Jade, is the people-oriented domains get a bad rap in the workplace for not prioritizing tasks. 
And the task-oriented people get a bad rap for not prioritizing people. Mm -hmm. But I have worked with and have seen people who are very heavy in strategic thinking and executing and have zero dominating themes in either of the people-oriented themes blow people's minds when they realize that that person has zero themes in the people-oriented domains. And that is because they have refined themselves, right? They are aware of their blind spots and they use their strengths to build relationships. So again, I'll say we have the people-oriented whose to-do lists every day should be who lists Mm. or at least to start their day because they're energized by relationships. They're energized by people. So that should be a large portion of their day. It does not exempt them from the tasks, but their motivation to get the tasks done are going to come from the relationships. So when they know doing something is going to deepen the relationship, right? Or it's going to add value to that relationship or support that relationship, that's their motivation to do it. Mm. And on the flip side, for the task-oriented domains, right? They should start their day or have a large portion of their day with tasks checking things off the list. And that's their greatest contribution to their business, right? To the teams that they play on, right? Is bringing that order, right? Bringing that execution, making things happen, taking things across the finish line. And so then when we're working in teams with people, it's, are we valuing the differences, right? And so again, the task running people, they're not exempt from building relationships with people, right? But they they just have their boundaries on it, right? They know when to add it into their day, right? They might do a lunch with the team mm-hmm. to build those relationships. So they bring relationship into it or they're doing community service projects with the team, right? Whatever it is to build those relationships, But there is a different way to add value to your business, to the team that you play on. And it's okay if it looks different because we need both. And if I can add this in, I think this is a really good visualization of that because most people have gone to a movie, a play, right? Some sort of musical production or entertainment, right? We only see the people on the front of the curtain. Mm -hmm. But the people on the front of the curtain cannot do what they do without the people and the processes behind the curtain, right? And so I believe it's the people on the front of the curtain or on the stage to honor the contributions of the people behind the stage Because that is a gift that they have, encouragers, right? Um, Cheerleaders, those types of things. And the people behind the stage, they don't need the audience's validation. Mm -hmm. But they do Mm -hmm. appreciate the person on the stage to appreciate how they're adding value to the production, right? But both are valuable. You need both. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of our audience members, a lot of them are solopreneurs. So they're playing backstage and center stage and don't have a lot of support to fill in the gaps where they know that they need that extra support. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like to align your business to your strengths, knowing that you might not be good at building relationships, but you can see the importance of building relationships. You mentioned you need to do it your way and kind of look at how do I build relationships? That's something that I've worked through in my own business. Like, I don't know if I would ever enjoy having a large membership or anything like that because I love one on one. I love one on one coaching. And from a scaling perspective, you know, 
probably doesn't make sense because one-on-one is not scalable, but I know that it's within my strengths and the way that I enjoy showing up and the way that I feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. But what does it look like for a solopreneur who's very heavy on one end of the spectrum? What can they do to bridge that gap? Yeah. Okay. So there's lots of different examples, but uh, because we're so unique, right. And people will bring different, different, um, uh, strengths to the, to the table, but again, it's coming with intention, right? So, so I'll share this because I know this about you too, right? You love one-on-one you're, you're energized by cutting the small talk and getting down to business, right? Like Mm -hmm. let's have a real conversation. Let's share ideas. Let's problem solve together, right? We don't need to talk about what we watched last night. We don't need to talk about, you know, how our dog's feeling or how our cats are or Mm -hmm. whatever, right? Ain't nobody got time. Ain't nobody got time for that, (laughs) right? So there's not energy. There's no energy there for someone like you, but for other people, there's a lot of energy in connecting with a lot of different people, right? Where that would be very draining for you. So again, we have to know when and where and how we're at our best and use that as our advantage, right? As leverage. And so um, the thing that comes to mind when you say, how does someone who's not good at building relationships, um, but know that relationships is a valuable part of their business, how do they prioritize that? Or how do they do that when it's maybe a draining piece for them? So again, because we're very complex individuals, I think it's very important to reflect on or figure out how we best build relationships, right? Because we're all able and capable. There's not one person on the planet who's not able or capable, right? Willing might be another question, right? For another day, Mm -hmm. but we're all able. And so we have to figure out how do I best build relationships and then bring intention to that, right? So if I'm not the type of person who's going to go build deep, strong, wide connections and relationships with a lot of people, It would be very wise for me to know that I likely can add significant value with the gifts I have by intentionally building relationships with someone who does have a very strong ability to build relationships and they don't even have to work for you. Yep. Right. They can be a key collaborative partner, right? So if I carve out time in my calendar to sit down with that person and add value. What can I give to them? Right. They likely are weak where you are strong. I think this is also applicable to marketing and the power of connecting with collaborators, like yes, in your business and yes, for building relationships, but also there's a lot of business owners that hate marketing and not even like the salesy marketing, just posting anywhere, showing up to say anything just makes them uncomfortable and they hate it. But you can tap into other people who are good at marketing and collaborate with them and leverage other people's audiences, which in the end can be a lot more productive. But I do think thinking outside the box, we automatically think all of these hats in my business need to be filled and I need to fill them. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, a lot of people don't think about who can I collaborate with? You don't have to hire them, but who can you get value from, but also give value to? There's so many opportunities out there, even for introverts like me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think if more people showed up, more entrepreneurs, solo entrepreneurs showed up in an arena of what can I give? How can I add value to this person and expect nothing in return? They will gain a lot more mileage. Yep right? You don't have to put a price tag on everything. Yes. Your gifts are a huge, significant gift to the world, right? But Mm -hmm. what if you just open your hands? I think it's interesting, even looking at the content creators that are at the top of their fields, people with huge audiences, looking at how they started, it was just giving free value, like no strings attached, just showing up and sharing everything they possibly could. And that's how you gain traction because you can't hide everything and then expect people to know that you have value to give. You have to show it a little bit and build that trust. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where faith comes into play too, right? You just have to have faith that something will come back to you in some way, shape or form. And likely it won't even be in the direct path that you gave, right? It's kind of like going through the drive through and the person ahead of you paid for your order, right? You just showed up mm-hmm. and it was paid for. It's also the difference between playing the short-term game in business and playing a long-term game. In order to feel okay with showing up and gifting and adding value without expecting anything, Mm -hmm. it's a long-term game. And in the short term, you're not going to immediately be flooded with requests and clients and sales. Like it is a relationship. It's a long-term thing that you're building, but in the long-term, it does pay off so much more than if you're trying to... um, just hold everything tight to your chest and not be willing to collaborate, not being willing to give because it is risky. Like not to say that you're not going to show up and give somebody something and never see anything in return from them. That's absolutely going to happen, but it has to happen in order to build those relationships where you do have a long-term relationship that ends up being mutually beneficial too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The power of community, the power of collaboration and the power of showing up to add value. There's just so much power aside from having this strengths conversation, right? Just so much power in that. It also brings um, front of mind solopreneurs and how oftentimes when you're starting something, you are not niched, Mm -hmm. right? Your services are wide and vast. You truly believe you can help everyone, right? Who's your ideal client? Oh, my ideal client is anyone with a pulse, mm-hmm. right? And and just the reality that we are afraid to close our door because we're afraid that we're going to miss some people. But the reality is, as we're launching something or building something, there is power in being an expert or having a niche that's easy to talk about that you can build your portfolio with, right? Because there's going to be great influence on the other end of that. Mm -hmm. And if you decide to pivot and have a new audience, that's great too, right? But I see a lot of people, they just, it makes me think of this term, Jane. There's a lot of people who are operating their businesses 10 inches wide, but only two inches deep. But what if they pivoted to being only two inches wide, but 10 inches deep, mm-hmm. right? With intention, productivity, impact, right? Focus. Not everyone is your client. Mm-hmm. You can't do everything. Jade, there's a lot of people who look at me now after years and years of developing who I am and knowing the value I add to the world who literally think I can do everything. And it's so far from the truth. If they only knew, right? I'm terrible at a lot of things. I just let those things go. And I double down on who I am. I know the value I bring and it's very limited. Yeah. But I just bring it everywhere I go. But I think you got to a really important point in order to go deep on something, you do have to say no to other things and other things that you like doing and that you want to do even. And saying no to those things is a lot harder to admit to yourself that you're a limited person with limited time. Mm -hmm. To go deep on something, you have to say no a lot Mm -hmm. and not just to the things that you hate doing, Mm -hmm. to things that genuinely could be a direction that would be very fulfilling for you. And that is really hard. Really hard. And you just got to like the center of what this podcast is all about, (laughs) making those hard decisions Mm -hmm. because it can pay off. And not to say that when people niche, they have to work in their niche. Like you said, when you go deep and emphasize what you're really good at, it opens up a lot of doors for you to build those connections and give value to other people. And other people are still going to ask you to do a bunch of different things that you're not marketing or specializing in. Mm -hmm. And it's, you don't have to say no. You can say yes every once in a while if you want to. Yeah. But to try and spend your energy marketing yourself as somebody who can be anything to everybody is exhausting. And a confused mind does nothing. Mm. Right? 
So if your audience is so confused by what you do and who you help and why you do what you do, you paralyze them. Yes. Right. A confused mind does nothing. Yeah. And it's funny, as much as I know and believe these things, I find myself falling into this trap all the time. Like even a couple of weeks ago, I had a discovery call where a coaching client wanted something different than my typical package. And instead of just making a custom proposal, which made sense for her, I added it to my system as if it's an option I'm going to give to everybody. And I don't know why I did that. I fell into the trap of, you know what, this is a good way to do coaching too. I'll just add it to my suite instead of saying this is a one-time exception. Mm. And even even somebody with a podcast who talks about this all the time, it's such an easy trap to fall into because you do want to be as helpful as you can and you do want to serve as many people as possible, Mm -hmm. but it's not a sustainable way. And guess what? I went and deleted it after realizing that. And what a waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we need reminders. Yeah. Sometimes we need reminders and that's okay. So huge congrats to you for deleting it, knowing you invested a lot of time to add it, but knowing that it wasn't going to serve you in the long run. I think it's a good reminder that knowing these things doesn't mean that you've learned it once. And then in the future, everything is going to be sunshine and roses. Even knowing your strengths, you're going to have to constantly remind yourself to align your business to your strengths because your business is constantly evolving and you're continually day after day going to have to make decisions to align your business to your strengths. So going back to our main topic, this isn't something that you sit down and you learn your strengths and, oh, my business is aligned now. It's something that you continually have to show up and do. And so that just reminded me, even becoming a business minimalist or changing your mindset, it's not something that you just do and like, la-di-da, I did it. You have to keep doing it. You have to keep doing it. And that's what makes it so hard, right? Yeah. Because it's a constant discussion, conversation. You have to constantly reflect and assess, right? And refocus. Mm-hmm. And you might you might do what you just did, right? You might say yes to something that you knew you should say no to, but for some reason you said yes to it, right? And there might be some regret there and you might have to follow through one time right? And then we pivot back to it. But yeah, we're just, we're a work in progress, right? There's no such thing as uh, one and done. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to make those mistakes. Like you said, excellence means risking making mistakes and learning from them. So it's part of the process too. Yeah. And with that, Jade, I think another really, really important factor in all of this is the people we surround ourselves with. Right. And um, I think that it's critical for us to have people in our corner to remind us of these things, especially as solopreneurs. Mm. Right. Which is why being a part of communities with other women in business is so important because we have doubts right? We might be in the state of building a business. We might be feeling like the influx of leads is slow, right? And so I need to say yes to this person who's asking me to do this one extra thing because right now I don't have anything on my books. Mm -hmm. But when you just stay true to who you are, keep your yeses, your yeses, and your noes, your noes, right? It's like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Jade, I've been coaching people who are solopreneurs and they, they reach this point of, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pay my bills. Right. And they start, you know, being ready to throw in the towel or they're just living this, this constant state of fear and striving and pushing, right? Like they're just pushing Mm -hmm. their products or, you know, Try, like their marketing game's totally not true to who they are, but they're desperate, mm-hmm. right? And it's not helping, <laughs> right? You just have to be still, know and trust, or go out and add value. Give, do something for free. So simple, but so difficult. Oh, so simple, but so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because we want to see the fruits, instead of just believe that they'll be there mm-hmm. when we just give and serve and add value. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So for somebody who's never taken the strengths assessment, I do want to close on what can be the first steps. What would you recommend for somebody who has no idea what their strengths are? How do they get started? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a huge advocate for uh, Gallup's Clifton Strengths Full 34 assessment. We can link it in your show notes. Yep. Um, it's an investment of about $60 plus some extra change with, with tax and fees to reveal your, essentially your talent DNA sequence. And so it is going to unpack who you are. And I will go as far to share here with, with the listeners that your dominating themes are your top 10, 11, 12, maybe 13. So your dominating themes, the ways you can add the greatest value to the world around you, the ways that day in and day out, you can double down on who you are by the way you most naturally think, feel, and behave and continue to develop and evolve those into strengths. Those are your dominating talents, right? That's where you want to spend 80% of your day. And then below like maybe 13 or 14 down to 28 or 29 of your full 34 sequence, those are your supporting talents. So you will on occasion, when you're building a relationship, when you're making a decision, right? Getting something done in your business or getting something started, you'll occasionally use one of those themes. But the big thing to look at is what are your bottom five? Bottom six, those are what we call your lesser talents. And those paint a picture of how you don't naturally think, feel, or behave. And it is so important on this pursuit of loving who we are to let go of those. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is our differences are our advantage and we all need other people. And that is a way to link arms with people who are very strong where we are not, right? It's a way to honor our differences by linking arms and using someone else's genius, right? To support our life, to support our leadership, to support our business. We just got to let those go because if we try to develop those bottom five, we are going to feel like we are holding the pen in our non-dominant hand. We're going to feel like something's wrong with us, essentially, right? Yeah. We will likely procrastinate it. We will burn out. We will be very inefficient. We will be very ineffective. And it might even cause pain. And pain can be a good thing, I know, but they're not going to serve us. Mm-hmm. They're not going to help us coming back to John Maxwell's quote of most people go to their grave, tapping into a very small percentage of their potential, right? We are wired to say yes to things that feel like work mm-hmm. because when they don't come naturally to us, we feel like we got to work at it, Yep. right? And, and there's a lie there. It's a myth that we have to recognize as a myth right? We were not created to be well-rounded. We were not created to be islands. We were not created to be silos, right? We are created to be more of who we are and then lock arms with the people who are really good where we are not. Mm -hmm. This makes me think of Caleb and I, we recently looked at our strengths side by side. And one of my lesser strengths is adaptability and it's Caleb's number one. Like I need the plan. I need it orderly. And Caleb just like throw him anywhere and he thrives. He loves just adapting to whatever comes up. And so I think it's also interesting. Similarly to the Enneagram, I feel like having the language to describe what you're good at helps you recognize how special your strengths can be, but also it helps you recognize the strengths of others and that the way that they do things just because it's different than I do it doesn't mean it's wrong. It's unique and valuable in a completely different way. And so 
even for um, business owners who have teams, I feel like the strengths assessment is a really good tool to use to understand what are the strengths of your team members and how can you not only like hire people who have different strengths than you, but also work together with them and not think that they're doing things wrong because they're not doing it the way that you would do it. Because diversity and strengths is so valuable. We need people who can do what we can't do and do things differently than how we do them too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also made me think of adaptability in photography because I did think this is stressful. I am like a broken photographer. I hate showing up and adapting to different lighting situations and different client needs and different, like I had the shot list all planned out and then something would always throw a wrench in it. And that's just the nature of brand photography. But this year, like I said, I'm doing it a little bit differently. And I recently did a product shoot in my house where I could shoot the time of day when I wanted to on nobody's schedule. And I created my own shot list. Everything was very planned out and orderly. And I had control over a lot of it. And I loved it. And so it's not like, how do I become adaptable? It's how do I do it in a way that leans into my strengths? Oh, amen, girl. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You're just a palm tree trying to grow in Iowa. Yeah. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) It doesn't happen. It doesn't work. It's not going to thrive. Yeah. Right. Yep. I think I think the reality is every flower, every plant, every tree, their purpose is to grow. Their purpose is to thrive. Right. So is ours. Mm. But the environments in which we grow and thrive and contribute, right? The shade we give, right, is gonna look different. And it doesn't mean there's something wrong with a palm tree if it can't grow in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with the evergreen tree or the oak tree that can't grow in Florida. They just need to pivot, right? Mm-hmm. Pivot from brand photography to product photography, right? And you'll love it. Yeah. The other thing that I think is really important too, to recognize with all of our talents is we have needs, right? And so your discipline that adds incredible talent to your services with order and rhythm and routine and structure and framework, right? When change happens, you need time to reorient, right? Where Caleb doesn't need time. Mm -hmm. He just has an ability to adapt. But if you asked him to create the plan and bring the structure or the agenda, he probably would not (laughs) be able to do that. He would hate that. (laughs) Right. And so we have to acknowledge that we all have different needs and it's okay to express those needs. Mm -hmm. Right. If we are someone who thrives and brings order, when something goes off plan, it's okay to say, Hey, I need 10 minutes, you know, to figure this out. And if you don't want an audience watching you while you're adjusting the lighting, tell them to go get a drink. Mm -hmm. That's so good. (laughs) Go take a break, go out and get some vitamin D, whatever it is. We have to know that we all contribute something to the world around us with every single theme, talent, strength that we have, but every single talent theme need we have also has a need. Mm -hmm. This has been so good, Erica. Every time I talk to you, I get just so excited um, and inspired. Like you just have a certain level of energy every time you show up. Um, And I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you sharing it with my audience today. So I really hope that some people who haven't been introduced to you yet are listening to this and want to get in on more of what you have to offer because you are just somebody who gives so generously and you've been such a blessing in my life. So for people who want to get connected with you after the show, what's the best way to do that? The best way to connect with me, aside from social media, I'm on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, just go to my website, ericaolaf.com. There's a way to communicate with me there and reach out. I'm happy to support your audience in any way that I can. So always enjoy being eyeball to eyeball with you, Jade. I just admire the way that you think and the way that you operate and you ask the best questions. So I hope you know that that is a superpower of yours. Not only your ability to create incredible processes, and bring incredible structure and organization to the world around you. But you have a gift of asking questions. 
And that is a skill that we can all refine and become better at because that's truly how we build connection with people. And we all have a need to do that. So I feel so encouraged and so built up, (laughs) (laughs) which I always do after speaking to you. And I feel like everybody, everybody does. You're a great encourager and you are just so talented at recognizing the hidden talents in other people and pulling out potential and just making them feel super special. So I hope that this came through in the episode and that people listening are feeling like that too, because there's nothing else like it. So thank you so much for being here today again. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Business Minimalist Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd rate it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Your rating and review will help more small business owners discover helpful episodes each week. Don't forget to check out the show notes for the tools and resources mentioned in today's episode because good ideas don't grow businesses, action does. And if you want more business minimalist tips and resources, head on over to Instagram and follow me at jadeboyd.co. I'd love to hear what you took away from today's episode. I'll see you next time on the Business Minimalist Podcast. The number of women burning out is at an all-time high right now, and I'm on a mission to change that. If you're a service provider who's feeling overwhelmed, overworked, and underpaid, don't let another year go by staying stuck. The Business Edit is a 12-month group coaching program that helps you declutter your business from top to bottom so that you can have shorter to-do lists, a clear strategy to scale, and know exactly what to focus on each week to drive results in your business. You'll end the year with the business that you've been dreaming of building, one that gives you your life back and pays you more than you've ever made before. In the program, you'll follow my signature five-step method for scaling your service-based business. You'll get business minimalist strategy, marketing, systems, and productivity roadmaps that are simple to understand and easy to implement, plus 12 months of customized one-on-one coaching to help you every step of the way. Join me inside the business edit at www.jadeboyd.co backslash coaching and get my step-by-step blueprint with everything you need to build your dream business in 2024. Now back to the show.